Well, welcome everybody to our podcast relating to the article, Let's Talk About Sex and Endometriosis. Um, I'm here with our lead author, uh, Lona Humashoi. Um, Lona, I'm very, very grateful to you for uh, coming here today. And I, I thought it might be um, of interest to our readers just for you to tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do today, because you, you've got a, a very interesting uh, history. Thank you, Andrew, and thank you very much for this opportunity to talk about endometriosis and one of the issues that plague so many women with the disease so much, uh, namely sex. My background is one in business development. I'm a former salesman with IBM, and I'm also a woman who suffered with endometriosis for 23 years. In 1997, I established the Danish Endometriosis Society and then got involved at European level with the first uh, guideline from ESHRA on the management of endometriosis. I actually project managed that process. For the past nine years, I've published endometriosis.org, which is now the largest global online resource for news and information in endometriosis. Since 2005, I've been the Secretary General of the World Endometriosis Society and indeed the Chief Executive of the World Endometriosis Research Foundation. Thank you, Lorna. I mean, I think you're clearly um, in no better position to talk to us about endometriosis and you've, you've managed to pull together a very impressive list of co-authors. Can, can you just briefly um, tell me a bit about their roles in the context of endometriosis? Aisha de Graaf, who is the second author on the paper, has actually been working together with me on a different study that has been conducted by the World Endometriosis Research Foundation. Aisha came to me to say that a sub-analysis of that data, looking at quality of life in women across uh, 12 centers in 10 countries, showed that painful intercourse was one of the very large issues for this particular group of women. And we subsequently decided to analyze this further, and she was first author on a paper published in Human Reproduction earlier this year, highlighting the issue of the impact of endometriosis over many years on a large group of women with the disease. Gerard Donselman is her boss, and he's also the chair of the ESHRA Special Interest Group of Endometriosis, and has been, like myself, heavily involved in the development of the ESHRA guideline on the management of endometriosis. Paolo Vicellini is the president of the World Endometriosis Society and has previously published on the need of more focus on dyspareunia when we study endometriosis, because this is indeed a group of women that are often not getting the attention that other subgroups um, with the disease are. Paolo Vicellini also has the highest Hirsch index uh, of anyone who's ever published in endometriosis, so should be well known to just about everybody. I suppose just for our, our audience, um, it might be helpful if you just briefly explained exactly what endometriosis is, because I think, um, as you know, al alarmingly, um, a large proportion, certainly of the public and even within the medical world, um, aren't fully aware of what endometriosis is, despite the fact that it's as common as uh, diabetes in women. Actually, I have to correct you there. Endometriosis is more common than diabetes in women because diabetes affects both men and women, whereas endometriosis only affects women. So we're actually looking at an estimated 176 million women worldwide 
who have endometriosis during their reproductive years. And it's a condition where tissues similar to the lining of the uterus are basically find elsewhere in the body. And these lesions bleed every month uh, alongside the woman's period, but unlike that menstrual blood, it has nowhere to go and will form lesions and adhesions, scar tissue, and indeed result in local inflammation wherever that tissue attaches in the body. This is typically on the ovaries, fallopian tubes, the pelvic sidewall, uteral sacral ligaments, cul-de-sac, pouch of Douglas, and the rectovaginal septum. Thanks, Lonnie. And, and in your article, as you say, you, you're focusing on one of the, the, the symptoms, which is the pain that these women experience with sex. I, I mean, I, I suspect we don't know the answer to this question, but do you know what percentage of women suffer from pain with sex and what proportion of them have endometriosis, or is, is that a, an unknown at the moment? How many women suffer from pain with sex is largely unknown because I think it is very, very difficult for these women to go to their physicians and even admit that there's a problem in the first place. What we did see from the study by Virtualini et al. is that about a quarter of what's called healthy controls also suffer from painful intercourse compared with about 50% of women with endometriosis. Right. And, and do we know what within an endometriosis causes the pain with sex or is that an unknown as well? Reality is that we know very little about why endometriosis causes pain. In terms of pain with sex, then there would be some physiological explanations to this. For example, if there's an endometriotic nodule in the rectovaginal septum, it would make sense that sex would be painful from a pure, pure physiological point of view. But there are so many unknowns about why endometriosis causes the pain that it does and how it causes that pain. This is something that the World Endometriosis Research Foundation is trying to address at the moment by pulling together a global uh, group of researchers that are currently trying to harmonize the way clinical data and biological tissue is collected in women with endometriosis and healthy controls and to compare these findings with surgical findings. And once we have very, very large numbers, we might be able to explain why a certain endometriotic lesion placed in a certain place may cause certain types of clinical symptoms because we'll be able to capture all of that and match it in a way that's never, ever been done before. This is um, clearly a very important initiative and um, ho hopefully maybe you'll come back in a few years' time and, and talk us through some of the um, results of that study. Um, I suppose one of the things that we probably have to think about is not only must this be very distressing for the women involved, but it must affect um, the couple's relationship. Is that correct? Absolutely. Let's face it, sex is part of any relationship. And these are women who are, with due respect, at the prime of their lives. They should be having a lot of sex. And if 50% of women with endometriosis are having painful intercourse, then 50% of partners are probably not having a particularly good time either. In fact, what our studies showed, and these are two separate studies with completely separate study design, both show that 50% 
of women with the disease admit that endometriosis have affected their relationships, with one in 10 of them reporting an actual split because of how the disease has affected their lives and therefore their relationships. There are some tools available on endometriosis.org talking women and their partners through things that they can do themselves to try and mitigate some of the, the painful aspects of having sex, which we hope may be of help for this particular population. That's, that's great. I mean, I think that was one of my other questions about what can be done for pain with sex. And, and clearly that's very helpful that there are um, places that patients can turn to. I mean, do you, th do you think health professionals know enough about this area to be able to, to deal with patients? And do you think they are addressing it in their consultations with women with endometriosis? Or do you think that's something that could be improved upon as well? I'm sure that health professionals are aware of the problem, but perhaps not the magnitude of the problem or the actual impact of the issue. We're even facing recognition for the impact of endometriosis, never mind the fact that it also causes dyspareunia to the extent that it does. So I think there's a number of things that healthcare professionals can do. And the first thing is to take a few minutes to ask some probing questions. It can be very uncomfortable for both the health professional and the woman, but without getting to the core of the issue, they won't find out what is the matter with her. And until they know that, it is completely impossible to help. But it's obviously a very, very sensitive area. And it can be difficult for, for any woman, even you know, very candid women, to speak about sexual issues in terms of what the health professionals can then do, there are obviously medications, and they seem to work in about 50% of cases, but one of the side effects is a loss of libido, and then we're back again to a sex issue. Anecdotally, and I, I don't know that this has been published, but I hear this from surgeons, that if endometriosis is found in the rectovaginal septum and that is removed, then about three-quarters of women will actually uh, improve so much that sex is no longer an issue. Having said that, I don't want to sit here and advocate loads and loads of surgery because surgery itself can be part of the problem. If um, extensive bowel resections are carried out, there is also a risk that this may affect a woman's sex life too. So when it comes to treatment, be that medical or surgical, I feel that these women should be referred to a center of expertise that will have seen these issues before and therefore have the experience to address it with each individual woman. And they may also know to include other disciplines such as sexologists, physical therapists, etc., to help not just the woman, but the couple. That's a very good note to end on, uh, Lona. I mean, certainly I, I know your conclusion, concluding paragraph is very much about the multidisciplinary approach that we need to have to this problem and, and I suppose to endometriosis um, as a whole. I very much enjoyed talking to you this morning. I very much enjoyed um, your article. So th thank you very much. And I think it relays a very important message um, to health professionals and I hope 
that over the next few years, uh, the research um, that you've been setting up and the collaborations that you've been setting up across the world maybe answer this uh, very important problem and uh, bring some, some hope to the women afflicted with uh, the symptom. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about this. And I hope that this could help raise awareness of the very big issue that endometriosis is for so many women in this country. 